the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Healthcare Now, paid for by Integrated Physician Network. This program is recorded to air at this time. Welcome to Healthcare Now with your hosts, Larry Jones and Dr. Mark Shayat. Want to become an educated healthcare consumer? Then join our discussion about all things healthcare and understand how to navigate our complex U.S. healthcare system. Now, let's join our hosts in the Healthcare Now studios. Welcome to Healthcare Now. This is Dr. Mark. I'm here with Larry Jones, and we've got a big show to talk about today. I mean, we've got some interesting things. We're going to we delve into the the government uh, as it relates to healthcare. You know, not not exactly politics, but healthcare planning. Yeah, things yep. that are super important yep. to our listeners. But I did want to report in. Last week was Match Week for the medical students in the U.S. Okay, and so I just wanted to kind of go over. I know that's a a, a bizarre concept to many, or something they may, may not have heard of. But I think our listeners will be interested in this. Dr. Yeah, Martin. yeah. I don't want to talk about everything, yeah. mm-hmm. all, all medical school, but this is an interesting piece. So, so students they go to college, they get into medical school, right? And then at at a point in, during their fourth year. They apply to go into a specific specialty, specific right. type of residencies, okay. and there's a whole bunch of them. And if you think about every do- kind of doctor you've ever had to go see, it fits into one of those boxes. And sometimes they do multiple residencies. Sure, sure. Right. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Okay. So, so you've got your fourth year. You basically put out there a nationwide application. Okay. And you direct it to these different programs. Okay. And typically, you direct it to one specialty. It might be family practice. You might okay. go to two if you haven't decided. You know, maybe you want to go into psychiatry right. or internal med. Okay. And you you're basically putting it out there to get interviews. So you get interviews, and it used to be you traveled, but since COVID, they've been doing this all virtually. Okay. And then once you do all your interviews, then you make a list of you rank those programs that you interviewed at. So right. maybe you interviewed at 20 programs. As to your interest yeah, rate and all yeah, that. Yeah, so you know, this is my first choice, my second choice. And the programs do the same thing. They rank the students that they met. Okay. And then the the national ranking, it's it's, a, it's the NNR, let's see, the NMRP. Yeah. So they, they actually officiate this and okay. run the computer program and, and match up the people to where they're going to go. Okay. So a couple of crazy things. <clears throat> On the Monday of match week, each student gets an email, and it either says, congratulations, you matched, but they don't tell you where. Okay. Or you didn't match in this first round, so you're going to go into this supplemental round. And the supplemental round goes from that moment till Thursday at about 9 p.m. Okay, so this is Monday through Thursday? Yeah, so Monday through Thursday. Okay. And so the folks that didn't match in the first round are scrambling to get this this thing done, and we're working with them. And, you know, it's a tough process, right? Yeah. And sometimes they're finding themselves not finding space where they wanted to go as okay. in the specialty and jumping mm-hmm. specialties. And then Friday at noon, all across the country, they open an envelope that actually tells them where they're going to go. How many doctors are we talking about in a match in a year? 
Oh, it's, it's every medical school in the country. But I mean, are we so, talking about thousands of new physicians? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Physicians? Because, yeah, okay. because we're chicken, each, each medical school has between 100 and 180 students. Okay. And I'm going to probably blow this, but it's there's just less than 200 medical schools in the country. Okay. Okay. So, so we're looking at a few thousand yeah. people. Yeah. 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 So, so it's really, it's really uh, quite, it's a little crazy. And uh, so that's what we went through last week. So now uh, do they try and influence these students into a certain specialty? For no, instance, no, as no. we know, there's a huge primary care shortage in America. Are they trying to influence people going into family practice or well, internal medicine? I mean, it all depends on who, who they is. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So as a, as a medical school, we advise students. Okay. And, but, People that influence students are things like Reddit, which is like the worst, you know, okay. based in, I mean, it's, it's, they give just terrible information. I'm, right. They're consistently bad. Okay. Um, it's kind of like Wikipedia was in the early days. Wikipedia has just gotten a little better, but it's unchecked Very information, little. right? <laughs> um, they're influenced by the media. Okay. Uh, they're influenced. A great example of this is a couple of years ago, uh, there was a news article put out uh, in response to HCA announcing that they were going to take all of their hospitals and make them level two trauma centers and have residencies for emergency medicine. Right. So a, an independent party put out a, an article that said, if that happens in 2030, there's going to be mm-hmm. an overrun of ER docs and there's going to be a bunch of unemployed ER docs. Right. So that announcement happened last year, last year and this year. So people take people, that into people, consideration. Yeah. They were there. People wouldn't go into emergency yeah. medicine. There were unfilled, there were five, over 500 unfilled spots in emergency medicine wow. going into that second round. And so, I mean, that's, that's just, so, so you're right. There's, there's influence there. It's just bad influence. Well, you know, uh, you we've know. had a couple of different physicians. Dr. Dovek is the most recent. You remember she said originally she was going to be a pediatrician and yeah. she ended up being a bariatric surgeon. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, right. So you can, you can things, definitely yeah. get moved around for lots of different reasons, yeah. and you, you decide where you want to go based on a lot of yeah. things, and too. And then we had another physician that uh, wanted also to be a pediatrician and ended up being a po- podiatry surgeon. Yep, right. So, yeah. well, typically, so podiatrists, uh, that, that means they didn't go to medical school, right? right. So they, right. they go to different training. So they, right. they, they had started, started even earlier in that path. Okay. But a okay. lot of these decisions, I mean, I don't think people understand – like how how it happens, and you yeah. do meet people that they knew at a people at a don't get a view age. of this in the back the back behind the scenes, yeah. Doctor Mark, when it comes to these medical schools. Well, I'll tell you, this match thing is the craziest thing. You know me; I've been through NFL drafts. Oh yeah, all, all yeah. These, this is the craziest <laughs> process. Wow, and it's it's really hard to advise the students because it changes. Does things. anybody get left out? Yes. Yes, they, they do. do get yep. left out. They don't yep. get a match at all. That didn't happen in our university this year. Okay, but, but it, it does happen. It so does then, happen. what if a stu- if a, col- a medical student's finished medical school right. and doesn't get a match? Then right. what? So they typically go through the match the next year, and okay. they try to do something in that gap year. So they have to sit out a that, year, basically. They, yeah, because it only happens once a year. Okay, um, and and the the groups that participate in the match process aren't supposed to hire outside of the match. So you would. So you, you're an MD. I mean, you're, you're, right, you can you right. can get a medical license. Right. Um, in some places, you could get a job and work at a clinic or something. But right. most places want you to have some type of experience and training, which makes sense. And, and well, then you could be what you call board care. eligible, right? Explain what that well, means, Dr. Mark. you can't Mark. be board eligible until you get through the residency. Okay. Right. Okay. So that's okay. the whole point of the board. Right. 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 So each residency especially has their own board. And so when you complete the residency and complete testing and, and shows then that you're, you, then, then you're, you're board, board eligible to be taking right. the exam. Correct. Is that correct? That is correct. Okay. Yep. I got it. So, you know, it can be, you know, there, the, the ways that these things are decided uh, are tough. And so during that gap year, they might, 
you know, do volunteer work. They might do research. Um, you know, it's going to be just dependent on the individual. And, and mm-hmm. remember, you know, they haven't been getting paid for, you know, since since high school since when they medical, worked at, yeah, at the, exactly. they worked at the grocery store. Exactly. Because when they were in college and med school, uh, you know, very few of them had time to work. They don't have time to yeah. work. Yeah. So, Especially med school. Right. So they were looking residencies the yeah. first time they start getting paid. Interesting. And uh, so you could have a year where you're sitting on a few hundred thousand yeah. dollars of debt yeah. and you're not making You know, unless you've got a family member that's trying to be a physician and gone through this or you're a physician yourself, it's really rare to give a back back behind the scenes input to our listeners on this, Dr. Mark. Yeah. Very interesting. And it it also, you know, bring up a a good topic in that historically a lot of folks did come from families that had Mm -hmm. medical and that's changing a great deal. Okay. And we come up with a whole bunch of reasons why, but, but at the end of the day, these students are they've received less passive advice and direction okay. than, than these folks that grew yeah. up in a household that had, uh, you know, mother and father right. that were physicians or nurses or PAs. Right. And they could give them, I mean, it's just like, you know, again, I'll go back to the NFL. You know, we, we know uh, certain, certain families that uh, produce three NFL oh, yeah. quarterbacks. Sure, it's sure. not just genetics, right? right it's right, it's right. knowing how to, how to work with yeah. the system. Mm-hmm. Nothing nefarious, just how to work yeah. with the system, how right. to get the right the okay. right training. Now, what about foreign medical schools? How does so, that fit into this? So, thing? well, you know, they foreign medical graduates mm-hmm. can apply, and they can be in this match. They can and, be in the match, and that's okay. a discussion that we're having because we mm-hmm. do have American trained physicians uh, that right. are are not getting positions that may have been given to foreign medical graduates. Right. Now, licensure, it depends. You know, some, some they can't sit too well with the American medical community, I wouldn't think. Well, it, you know, it, it's a mixed bag, though, because some of these but are— it's very are, competitive, Some right? of these are yeah. American students. They're right. just trained outside of the right. U.S., right. and others are students that trained and are, have, are, have citizenship elsewhere. Okay. So it's that back and forth of, you know, land of opportunity, mm-hmm. and are we looking out for our own? And right. there's always—I think in almost any profession, there's a balance of that. Uh, and it, that, but that is a discussion and, uh, okay. you know, it's not, it, there's no, there's no right answer there because you okay. can't say one is better than the other. Um, right. all you can say is, you know, if, if all other things being equal, most programs are going to look for an American trained p- person. Okay. There are some programs that based on your passport status, right. you know, well, we've saying, got you know, so many, I mean, we, we have a thousand physicians that we're in our IPA. Yes. Many of these are foreign physicians, right? Many are foreign medical yeah. graduates that foreign are, but, graduates. and a lot of them did their residency here in the U S right. and they're all board certified here in the U S right. But now I've, uh, I was talking to a physician the other day and one of his colleagues trained, and it is highly, I mean, as highly trained as a, as a physician can get okay. uh, in Iran and okay. who is now okay. in America, okay. you know, legally in America, working in America. Right. And he's got, he's got licensure in, in the United States, licensure in several mm-hmm. states. The only piece is his board certification, there's a different pathway. And it's not done yet. So he's board certified okay. at the best university and medical school in Iran but, but not, that's in not, not in the U.S. Now, yeah. he's practicing. Mm-hmm. He can do everything. Mm-hmm. I mean, the guy's a truly a leader in his field. Yeah. But there are certain areas, like with the medical schools that, that are state-funded, typically they're not yeah. going to hire you without a U.S. board. And that certification comes from ABMS, correct, Dr. Mark? Well, American mo- Board of, of Medical Specialties. Well, or – That's your that, – traditionally – Well, there's also the – there's the American Board of Surgery. 
Okay. So, okay. So okay. there's medical specialties and surgical specialties. Okay. Okay. So, yep. and then each each one might have special certifications within them, mm-hmm. and and they're you know depending on because you know a lot of, a lot of times like with surgeons you can do fellowships and that fellowship has a certification that's usually held within the American Board of Surgery. But if you do family practice and you do uh, additional fellowships in family practice and do nephrology, neurology, those kinds of things, that, those are also connected to that medical. Okay. medical so it's specialty. so it's interesting. Our our physicians go through regular college, right? Go through many years of medical school, yeah, usually four years of medical, and school. and then do their residency and training, and then right. they still don't know that they can become a doctor until they get through this match program. Right. Well, no, no, the that's match, kind of no, interesting. Well, the match programs after med school. After, you yeah, know what I'm saying? Right, but yeah, they but, go through that, yeah. and then they get matched. Yeah. Right. Right. So yeah. not the residency. Yeah, that's so, right. Okay. And the residencies can vary between you know three and eight years, right? And uh, you know add on fellowships and, sure. and that kind of thing. Okay. And now, but it is fair to point out that during residency, you know, they're they're making a reasonable salary. They're not okay. they're not making right. the big bucks, as yeah. they would say, but they're making okay. a reasonable salary that that should be able to support them. And, Dr. Mark, but, but their know, hourly salary is pretty bad. Oh, yeah, they don't <laughs> yeah. they just don't get paid till they're really yeah. a true yeah. physician. Sure. Real quick, we've only got a few minutes uh, se- seconds left on this segment. Mm-hmm. Explain the difference between fellowship and residency. So residency is that first stage where you're okay. in in a specific. You know, you're doing internal medicine, family medicine, emergency medicine, OBGYN, pediatrics, okay. and uh, surgery. Okay. okay? And uh, you can also go directly into neuro- neurosurgery, ophthalmology, and urology. If you're going to do something in addition to that, specializing in those areas, those are fellowships. And okay. they're just okay. typically governed by a different organization okay. and may have additional certification and testing that you have to do to okay. be actually certified in those areas. Okay. Very interesting, Dr. Mark. What a good view to our listeners on behind the scenes, how physicians yep. actually become physicians. Yep. Like I say, match week, yeah. crazy time. Yeah. We're going to talk about a lot of things when we come back. We'll be right back. You're listening to Healthcare Now, the truth about U.S. healthcare. We're going to a break, and when we come back, we'll continue our discussion on all things healthcare with Dr. Mark and Larry. Navigate the healthcare process like never before. It's Healthcare Now with Dr. Mark and Larry Jones. Join us at 7 o'clock Thursday evenings for a great discussion on all things healthcare. Healthcare Now, Thursday nights at 7, and now Healthcare Now Extra, Saturdays at 11 a.m., only here on The Answer. Take The Answer with you wherever you go. TheAnswerOrlando.com. Tune in, iHeart, and Odyssey.com. News, opinion, passion on the go. AM 950, FM 94.9. The Answer. Welcome back to Healthcare Now, the truth about U.S. healthcare. And now let's head back into the Healthcare Now studios with Dr. Mark and Larry. You're back in the studio with Dr. Mark and Larry Jones, and we just finished up a little uh, background on how uh, how your child becomes a doctor. That was great, we'll just Dr. Mark. That, <laughs> and now we're going to go into something really important, Larry. And you know, again, we talk a lot about the governmental side of medicine. I think yes. that's really important. Yes. It's in the news a lot. Yep. Um, sometimes accurately portrayed, sometimes not. Yep. But we've got some very important things that are coming up and some really interesting announcements. So let's yeah, just jump right there, into there that. There really are. You know, Dr. Mark, we're going to talk about three pieces, and let me just name them, and then we can jump into each one All of right. them. The first one that, uh, as you know, every year the president puts out his fiscal budget, and we're talking about the fiscal budget for 2024. Right. And within that budget, the Health and Human Services, HHS, has proposed a $1.7 trillion 
budget, which is about 8% over last year. Okay. There is a hearing tomorrow with the Senate Finance Committee to discuss that budget with the senators. Right. And so so just to cover, so HHS, they are CMS, which is Medicaid and Medicare. CMMI. Part of of Medicaid. Um, And they are also the FDA. Yes. And so the FDA budget's there. The FDA has like two ends of their budget. They have uh, government allocation, and they also have user fees. Right. Uh, and that sort of balances mm-hmm. out what their budget looks like. Right, right. Um, not as huge as you might think, but the big right. part of that yeah. is absolutely Medicare. Yeah. Well, there's another piece, too, the Department of Labor that covers ERISA, which is your self-insured right. employer. Yep, yep. And by the way, just this past week, uh, Biden nominated a lady by the name of Julie Sue. Right. To be Labor Secretary, replacing outgoing Secretary Marty Walsh. Right. And she was the Deputy Labor Secretary She was previously, the Deputy. That's so, correct. Yeah. So she was yeah. – that nomination yeah. level there yeah. should probably get her through the Senate yeah. pretty quickly. Right. And this this position oversees the private employer health care market. Interesting. And they report to HHS. That's correct. Okay. Yep. But, but the Department of Labor – Separately reports its other things. There are many other yeah. facets, and to so that the doesn't go through the, no, the HHS. Not through HHS. You know that that's that's kind of crazy. Yeah, it yeah. is. That's I mean that's got to be. Well, you know, we'll, we'll we did. I I gave a talk on the FDA to my students the other day, and just looking over the different things that they do, yeah. it just doesn't really make sense. Well, let me bring it down to the state level. You know, here in Florida, if you want to be an insurance company, you have to go through the Office of Insurance Regulation, the OIR, OIR. which used to be called the Department of Insurance here in Florida. But if you want to do a self-insured plan, it has nothing to do with the OIR. It's the Department of Labor in Washington that oversees ERISA. Because of ERISA. That's right. right. And and it's still different, but that's how they do it. Yeah. Yeah. So that breaks down what you were just trying to talk about. And And in a sense, that's a bit of a loophole yep. that we you know we've discovered right so that you can right. put together an insurance right. product that you can deliver to employers yep. but that's that's a you know we're kind of we're kind of uh, getting getting a little off track yep. but so that that's a big change that's happening up but let's talk a little bit about CMS specifically yeah okay you know when we talk about CMS it's Medicare and Medicaid yep and just this past week CMS released their enrollment numbers for Medicare, Medicaid, and the Children's Health Insurance yep. Program called CHIP. Yep, CHIP program. As of November, there were almost 92 million people enrolled in Medicaid and CHIP in the U.S., Dr. Mark. Wow. That's one in four people walking. Right, right. And so the CHIP are going to be uh, 18 and under, right? Yep, that's and correct. And making yep. a certain amount per year. Yep, it's and 130% they would of the poverty level. Right. Yep. And, you know, and that's been around for a long time because that, it used to be called, I think it used to be called S-CHIP. Yes, it and did. So, That's right. And so I think the original number was if they were making less than $37,000 a year and that, the decades number. ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, I think they, it's like they 27 now or something yeah, like that. Yeah. But, you know, the interesting part, we talk about the pandemic's over. The public health emergency right. is ending May 11th. Yeah, say that again. The public health emergency is ending May 11th. Right. But let me tell you, the ramifications of these things are going to lead on for quite some time. It's, Dr. it's like Mark. Y2K. That's right. I mean, That's it's right. going to, I'm, I'm yeah. surprised. It's in the news. There's no question. Yeah. Well, it's but one it's, of the biggest news it's, items. It's now right it's now. just, yeah, it's just huge. I mean, well, I think, think about that 92 million in Medicaid and CHIP. Right. Effective June 1, it's estimated that up to 15 million Medicaid recipients could lose their insurance. Right. And and interestingly, that has a couple of effects because right now their insurance is being paid by the government. Yep, that money is going to third parties. That's right. right? That are going to cover that manage that. Most Medicaid is managed care in most states. Yep. So so Centene's a big company. 
Centene's the largest, and the financials on Centene came out the other day. Mm-hmm. They're expecting to lose 2.2 million members, costing them $11 billion in top-line revenue. Isn't that crazy? So that's one, one company, company. Yeah. $11 billion in revenue, which is interesting because you could say, well, you know, that's $11 billion. That's not in the budget, right? That's because right. it's not being that's spent. Right. But that's right. But I'm not going to be feeling sorry for the insurance companies because they've been planning on this all the way well, along. Me, they, and they've been making bank during the oh, pandemic. They've been killing it yeah. at the expense of taxpayers. Yes, 100%. But the thing that is kind of staggering to me is during the pandemic, two and a half years ago, mm-hmm. since the pandemic started and the uh, laws allowed due, due to the public health emergency right. that if you get into Medicaid, you can stay there. Yes, right. Until May 11th right. of this year. So if you've been in there two years and you really wouldn't qualify because you have to qualify based on income every, every month. Every month. Every month. 23 million people have grandfathered into Medicaid since the pandemic, Dr. Mark. Yeah. And so you look at that number of people and some of them had short term losses where they lost jobs and then they become right. reemployed. And if they were really clever, They'd have gone back to work. Well, and and can, many can, of them yeah, did, but and, they stayed in Medicaid. Right, and they stayed in Medicaid. And, sure, and sure. the employer oh, didn't have to it. fund their health insurance. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And so that's going to change. Yeah. So that's going to now that's going to blow back to the employer yep. who's going to have all these folks say, hey, yep. you know, I'm not I'm not covered anymore. Yeah. You know, well, the the lowest number that they're projecting is about five million. Okay. Of, that, of the 90 million. And I think it's going to be more towards 10 million. You know, I have to tell you that that projection of the uninsured has been fraught with controversy since oh. since the uh, the initial plan from Obama to to figure out how we're going to cover because the the initial plan the thought was that there were about 47 million uninsured in, in the United States. That was about yeah. uh, 17 years ago. Yep. And yeah. so so then but then if you broke it down even then they were saying well 10 million of those might be illegal immigrants. That's right. And another 10 million of those you know, might actually qualify for yep. Medicaid or CHIP. They just haven't signed up. Right. And if they went to a hospital and got care, yep. then they would be enrolled, yep. right? Yep. So now it's 47, 37, you know, Well, if you look at the real numbers, what's projected right now, they mm-hmm. say that 8% of America, so if you look at 330 million, that's a little over 24 million people are uninsured. Right. Yeah, and we've, we've, I think we've been talking about 27. We have, so, yeah. Yeah, so that, that, that seems to, to jive, but... Yep. But when you have stats like that, that's sort of my caveat. Yeah. When we're reading yeah. these numbers, yeah. it's it's the the kind of the general idea of the numbers is important. Yeah. But you know you can you can pad this in either direction, Absolutely. right? And you can say that what percentage of folks that are going to lose their coverage are just going to remain without coverage and and go with the risk. Yeah. Well, you know? they're expecting about a half a million of these whatever the number is that lose Medicaid to go into the ACA program. Right. The Affordable Care, Obamacare. Well, yeah. Well, they're kind yeah. of in it yeah. now, right? I mean, they're, they're – well, with supplements because the supplements are going away. True, true. And, well, and that's, right. And, that's and, right. and so so we've got – and if, if we separate out just the Medicaid and the CHIP, yeah. if we just yeah. look at all yeah. the uninsured. Yeah. Yeah. But when, when the number was 27,000 and Obamacare opened up and they got – like an enrollment of 11 yeah. million. Right. 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 And of that 11 million, yeah. only, well, you only, remember, a, only a small percentage of that since, were part of that 27,000. That's right. Since we've been on the air, the ACA had about 10 million lives. Now it's 16 million. Right. And that's just in the two little over two right. years we've been on the air. And it's not 16 yeah. minus the 27 is what I'm getting no, at, right? not at all. It's because a lot of folks are that's just right. working that's through right. that as yep. a way to yep. access yep. Blue Cross Blue Shield and right. all, the other, all the other plans, right? Right. right? right. 
But but that's the other piece that's going to go when those subsidies go away. Yep. Folks that have been on the marketplace, they're going to be paying normal fees. Normal fees. Yeah. Right yeah. now, if you remember last year, Obama cut the subsidies or the premiums even for people that didn't have a lot large subsidy in half. Yes. Yes. I mean, and you're looking at for for a, a an individual that's not high risk, isn't particularly old, single, was paying for a good program eight hundred dollars a month eight hundred a month yeah yep. and now it's yeah. down to four right now right plus seventy five percent of the people have the subsidies on top of that yeah well, that's what, and this yeah. and that takes them yeah. to zero yeah right so it's right. going to go yeah to eight hundred yeah and that's, right. that's going to be a heck of an awakening and, and they're going to say it's huge awake. wow i didn't hear yeah. this was happening there's but a it's, storm you know, coming dr mark there it really is and, a and, storm coming and the problem it's like anything it's kind of like you know larry when you go take a vacation and you get all relaxed and you have a great time and then you come back and you went and all the stuff that's piled up on your desk yeah, it wasn't, worth it. wasn't worth it <laughs> that's wasn't right. worth it that's this right. is what it's going to be yeah. that we've have we saved lot i don't know have we saved money yeah. definitely not but now, what's the blowback going to yeah, look like? Well, you like? know, let's talk about that for a second. I was reading a, a very interesting article the other day about the the states that actually expanded Medicaid. You know, right, you still right. got 14 states 14 that states have not. Florida's not. one yeah, of them. Correct. Primary care usage went up. Readmissions went down. But the overall cost of health care didn't move. Interesting. Interesting. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Let's, let's yeah. go over, like, so when states, with Obamacare, states were – were encouraged to take on a new set of it was it was dropping the age expand, requirement. That's right, expand yeah. their Medicaid. And yep. and and in Florida, um, yep. our governor at the time said, you know, well, we're going to get yep. some subsidies from the feds, yep. but it's going to go away, and yep. this will bankrupt the state. It would absolutely bank. There were over right. a million right. Medicaid eligible right. recipients in Florida, and it would have been the cost would have been more than our entire state budget. So I look at that as a great example to something you and I talk about all the time, that that medical care and cost is regional. It's not the same state to state. It is. And if you go to a less populated state like Nebraska, then it made great sense for them to take the federal money and expand Medicaid. Right. But when you look at states like Florida that are so large and like Texas are so large – it would literally bankrupt them. I talked to uh, one of our state senators uh, just recently who's on the health care finance committee for the state. Right. And he said, Larry, we will never expand Medicaid in No, Florida. we can't. He I said, mean, we, we can't. That will never happen. It, it's one of the yeah. largest parts of our current state budget yeah. as it is. Yeah. It's about 40%. Half. Yeah, yeah, 40%. Yeah, okay. a little over 40%. Yeah. So, so there's no way expanding it. You know, with, with, and, and we're, at a, we're at about a $108 billion budget in Florida. Right. And, over forty-five billion of that's Medicaid. Yeah, yeah. Now it's. I mean, it's not a, not a surprise too. at all. But let not me talk about. You know, we talked about Centene losing two point two million members. Mm-hmm. Elevance, which is Anthem, is going to lose about one point one million. United Health six hundred thousand. Uh, Molina almost four hundred thousand, and CVS Health Aetna almost three hundred thousand. Those are the five big ones that are going to lose the most in membership. Yeah. And and they really are. I mean, they 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 sort of. Dwarf all the other and, ones. And you know what's interesting? Centene is in the ACA business now. Just got in it last year. Right. Molina and CVS Health, Aetna, mm-hmm. got into the ACA business last year, knowing this was coming sure. when the public health emergency ended, so they can convert these lives over and keep them. Yeah. Well, I mean, they're, they're going to lose a number of them. They are. And then the question is, yeah. but that's not necessarily going to harm them. That's just area. That's just a group that they're not going to be covering. Yeah. That's going to harm the system at large yeah. because 
I would imagine that ER visits yep. are going to go back up. Yep. Primary care, primary care visits yep. are going to drop back down. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's going to happen, you know, whether or not you, you had expanded Medicaid. And those four-plus million lives mm-hmm. represent over $25 billion in lost revenue to these five companies, Dr. Mark. Uh, like I say, I can't cry. I don't think we could handle that kind of loss. More of the same when we get back. You're listening to Healthcare Now, the truth about U.S. healthcare. We're going to a break, and when we come back, we'll continue our discussion on all things healthcare with Dr. Mark and Larry. Navigate the healthcare process like never before. It's Healthcare Now with Dr. Mark and Larry Jones. Join us at 7 o'clock Thursday evenings for a great discussion on all things healthcare. Healthcare Now, Thursday nights at 7, and now Healthcare Now Extra, Saturdays at 11 a.m., only here on The Answer. Take The Answer with you wherever you go. TheAnswerOrlando.com. Tune in, iHeart, and Odyssey.com. News, opinion, passion on the go. AM 950, FM 94.9. The Answer. Welcome back to Healthcare Now, the truth about U.S. healthcare. And now let's head back into the Healthcare Now studios with Dr. Mark and Larry. Welcome back to Healthcare Now. This is Dr. Mark. I'm here with Larry Jones. We're talking about things happening up in Washington and how it's going to affect all of us. Yep. And let's start off again by saying, when are, when's the rollback? Well, you know, May 11th. May 11th. So and May it'll 11th. actually affect members beginning June 1. Got it. So come June, you're going to see if you are participating in these programs right. that they're either no longer available or that the co-pays and the monthly fees are going to be a lot more. Yeah, and why is this important to our listeners? Dr. Mark, all these funds are funded by taxpayers' dollars. Sure. That's why it's important to understand. It's important to everybody, and then then even more important to those people that are on these programs because they're going to get caught with pants down. Yep. And if there's – and honestly, you you know what's going to happen because the reason – these are new members into this insurance arena is that it was free. That's right. And the reason they were staying out of it is because it was expensive and That's it was right. breaking their budget. That's right. Well, their budgets haven't improved. Yeah. Well, if and, you remember I mean, you when know, the ACA first came into play, it was mandated that everybody had to have health insurance. Remember that? Yeah. You had to check that little box right. on your taxes right. or the, you would be dinged six or eight hundred dollars on your which, which no tax. Which no one was. Which nobody cared. Yeah, right. Yeah. Right, yeah. That's right. They did. So then they did away with the mandatory Right. requirement. And so people that said, I'm 29, I'm invincible, I don't need health care, right. they dropped it. Yep. They dropped yep. it. But let's talk, you know, we've talked about Medicaid. And and again, uh, we've kind of highlighted where this there is a storm brewing here, Dr. Mark. Sure. And it is going to be, they think that 24 million, 8%, that could double in America if we go back. We could go back to the old numbers of seven to 10 years ago of, in uninsured. 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 Well, yeah, I th- well, I think that's what's yeah. going to happen. I think yeah. you're going to get a rebound effect, yeah. and it's a little a little bit artificial because we yeah. probably didn't really know the real number to begin with. That's right. That's and so right. now right. we're going to see this rebound, and going to have to estimate exactly if you know were we yeah. were we accurate or not. But yeah. it, but it'll be a big number. It'll yeah. be impressive. Yeah. And you know, we we talked about Medicaid. Let's talk about Medicare on March seventh. 
The White House published a preview of a proposal intended to address the Medicare trust fund and the Medicare insolvency. As you know, right now, we've talked about this numerous times on the air, Dr. Mark, yep. that the Medicare trust fund is expected to be insolvent by 2028. Right. They've moved it around a little bit over the it last It was 2024. They've bumped yep. it up. But the president's proposal is intended to extend the life of the health insurance trust fund for Medicare by 25 years, Dr. Mark. And how might they do that? Okay. Let me, re- <laughs> let me go through some of these. Okay. Uh, the first one is by increasing the Medicare tax for those earning more than four hundred thousand dollars from three point eight to five percent. Right, and so the Medicare tax is what you see yeah. on your paycheck your, every time you get that's it. That's right. Your Social Security, your, your yeah. Social Security FICA tops out. Right. And, yeah. So, yeah. Social Security yeah. T- p- taps, taps out, out after at what, seven and a half percent. Yeah. Yep. Seven and a half percent. And yep. then so that goes away once you've made a certain but amount. But now of money. you're going to pay five percent on yep. Medicare. Plus, if you're in Medicare and earning a an income of a certain level, you're paying even more on the part A and B deductible. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. So that's absolutely. the first one. The second one is to close loopholes that currently allow some high-income individuals and businesses to shield their income from the Medicare tax. Right. So one of the things, and I'm not sure if it's going to affect this or not, is if you have a business and you make it an S-corp, Right. Um, you can then claim a certain certain earnings that's just under four hundred thousand dollars, yep. and then everything above that is yep. not going to see the the Medicaid that's tax. That's right, doesn't and it's so not counted. so now right. this is looking at business that are shielding by claiming it's neither earned income or investment. Is that, um, that I have is, to ask? That is exactly oh, correct. that is exactly that correct. is exactly okay. correct. I tell yeah. you, you know, Jamie, my You're accountant, he has really taught me well. Really he taught has. me well. He that's has. great. And then the next one, you know, the Inflation Reduction Act, the yep. IRA, that was passed last year by the Biden administration, has proposed that uh, we go to 10 drugs and and cap them off at a price and then 10 more in 2024 and 2025. Now they're saying they want to escalate that. Right. And they want to increase the number of prescription drugs that we can negotiate that would reduce the cost of drugs to the Medicare program. That's probably the most effective move. I like that. And it it does – you know, it's it is uh, you know it's affecting yep. the producers yep. that are delivering these drugs, and we've yep. been talking about those yep. for all, all the years we've been on on yep. air. That yep. that's where there's a big money sink. Yeah. You know? Well, you know, Doctor Mark, we've been fortunate in our family that we haven't had to do a lot of drugs. Right. But there are families out there that are buying drugs like Eliquis, sure. Trilogy, yep. uh, Albuterol, Ventolin. These are five six hundred dollars a oh, month. Yeah, yeah, and and until recently, insulin. Yeah, and insulin that just yeah. went down from yeah. three to four hundred a month, and that's to sort of maxed the, at thirty five dollars. Right. So that's a an month. example of what we're looking at doing with yeah. these other medications. But see the difference in that Inflation Reduction Act on the insulin; it didn't lower the cost of Medicare. Right. Medicare just picked it up. Right, right, right. What we're talking about here is actually lowering Good the cost of Great drugs. Point. Yeah. So at that, you're right because the, yeah. the 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 uh, pharmacal pharmaceutical companies were still just, getting paid the normal yeah, amount. The taxpayers just shared no, okay, a larger piece gotcha. of that no, yeah, on yeah. the insulin. No, absolutely. Great yeah. point. So Great that, point. that's really important. Mm-hmm. And then the uh, in, uh, Inflation Reduction Act uh, requirement that drug companies, you know, these PBMs, these pharmacy benefit managers, yes. they get enormous millions of dollars in price reductions, in rebates. Right. And they're trying to make 
like the insurance, the commercial insurance, that those rebates go back the, the to the cap. Medicare beneficiary. Yeah, right, right. No, that they actually yep. go back to the beneficiary, the beneficiary to reduce those rates. Gotcha. gotcha. These are some, some of these are good. The only one I don't like is increasing the Medicare tax from 38 to 5%. Well, and, and I, I suspect that's the one that's going to get squashed. Exactly. You know, because yep. you've got, you have to look at the folks that are voting on these things and, and they're yep. the ones that are going to be affected. And when you're in government and you're getting paid, yep. it's kind of hard to, yep. to hide your income yep. that same way. But, you know, it's interesting. Those are the some of the things that Biden wants to do to reduce cost to try and sure up the Medicare trust fund. Yep. But on the other side, he's doing things like requiring coverage of behavioral health without cost sharing to the, to the member. So that's, again, going to going to tax the government gotcha. side and taxes. Yep. But uh, it's a hard argument to get too riled up about because of the need that's there. Exactly. But, uh, but yeah, I, yep. I see where there's and a balance. And then the second one, obviously, is limiting Part D cost sharing on certain drugs. You know, once you're in Part D, you get into a donut hole after you've spent X amount of money. Right. And then until you spend X amount more, you're paying full price. Right. And then you go back at coverage at 100%. They're trying to reduce that donut hole. Right. So, again, that'll be money coming Another out of taxes. Cost. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Well I, well, I mean, it's going to balance those things out. I mean, I think the the first things, and, and as you say, I mean, when the when the uh, Senate committee meets, yep. these are exactly the, the details that they'll be looking at, correct? Right. I mean, That's it's, exactly it's de- right. definitely the way it's going to work and, out. And, again, it's a little give and take. Yeah. As we, but I think what's interesting is whether you're Democrat or Republican or even independent, the bipartisan support – of these types of programs is pretty unanimous in Washington, Dr. Mark. Well, I mean, I think they believe that you may not believe on the date that, that Medicare yeah. will become yeah. insolvent, yeah. but we believe that it's headed that yeah. way. And, but it is, it's a, again, a bit of propaganda because nobody on either side is going to let it happen. And it's just a, it's a topic that you can bring up and kind of just rattle your sabers exactly. about. Exactly. And both sides have d- done yeah. that. So yeah. this is, this is just a way to try to, yeah. May, you know where the rubber hits the road. Right. How how are we actually going to change that number? And if this goal is is a goal based on all these things, well, I'm I'm really thinking that you know, it, like everything else, it's going to be a compromise, and hope, hopefully, yep. it won't just be yep. a wash. Yep. It exactly. won't be the same. The same. No, yeah. well, yeah. hopefully not. If if they figure out, meaning the administration, how to sure up Medicare for another twenty five years. That's going to be a really good thing, well, Dr. Mark. Well, they did figure out for 25 years based on their calculations, but that's their proposal. That's right. And you know that proposal is going to be cut in half. If that, it, those if, taxes are so, not going to happen. Right. Yeah. So so if you're looking at it and you, if you cut that number in half, half now. Right. Yeah. If you cut that in half, I mean, it doesn't mean that it's going to be 12 and a half years, but it's right. going to be something different, right? Yeah, 10 years even. Yeah. yeah. It, could, you know, it could be. It we've could. teetered on two to three to four years since 2015. Right. If we could jump that out 10 years, we've made some – in, right. And some head well, road. And we're kicking yeah. the can down the road. Yeah. And, that's and exactly pretty right. much that's what our economy and how we print money. And I mean, that's that's the way it's that's yeah. the way it goes. Yeah. You and, know. you know, while we're talking, we, we talked about the uh, HHS budget of one point seven trillion. The overall Biden twenty twenty four fiscal budget is almost seven trillion dollars, Dr. Mark. Yeah. But he was going to self-fund it, wasn't he? No? Yeah. No. But it also includes a number of health care initiatives in that $7 trillion over and above what we've talked about for Medicare and Medicaid. And one is a proposal that we extend the solvency not only of the Medicare trust fund, but the Medicare hospital insurance trust fund. Okay, tell me about 25 years. It's all part of it, but that trust fund is projected to run out in 2028 as well. 
Now is that there part of the, is that part of the lobby with the American yeah Hospital American Association? Hospital Association right? yeah and you know that's a huge lobby Doctor Mark very large you were One part of, of that largest, in yep. policy when you were practicing yep absolutely yeah. yep no that was a big yeah. piece that yeah. was a big piece what okay. else you got there Larry well we talk about Medicaid we talk about discretionary funding mm-hmm. uh, there are so many bills that that come into these discretionary funding and I think you're going to see both the Democrats and the Republicans tear that apart as we get into this budget. Yeah, well, I think, I mean, it's, I'm sure it's a battlefield when we start talking oh, it about is. it. I mean, it's it got to be yeah. something that no, nobody wants to watch on C-SPAN, yeah. but it's, yeah. it, it is kind of interesting to me that it gets down to that face-to-face discussion when you know all the papers are going back yeah. and forth and yeah. all the proposals are going back yeah. and forth, but it, I think it's more about, well, if we agree to this, these other things need to happen behind the scenes, right. and and that right. that gets pretty pretty yeah. frustrating. Yeah, and there are a couple other things. Uh, the Biden proposal allocates 150 billion dollars a year over 10 years to fund Medicaid home health care services. Doctor Mark, how many times have we talked about the movement of hospital care to the home? So they're but, adding money in. So the hopes would be that that's money that they're going to save on the other end. Absolutely. So it's not going to be, you know, it may be a zero sum yeah. type of it may proposal. Be, it's an investment, but overall you're going to save yeah. a lot of money. Right, right, right. Yeah. And we should re- remind the listeners that, that typically the Medicaid portions are shared costs between the states and the federal government. That's exactly right. So anything yeah. that happens there has to be agreed upon yeah. state to state. Yeah. Exactly. So that may, yeah. that may not reach, you know, every state. But, you know, you've got so many private insurance companies heading into that home care market. Now you got the feds right. saying, you know, maybe we need to look at this. Well, yeah, but, you know. but those, those private companies, I mean, the, the, those are the same companies we just talked about with Medicaid. I mean, we talked about the Centines. We talked about, you know, they're, they're the ones that are doing it. Right. And right. so where is that money actually going? So when, you, when they say that they're going to invest that into Medicaid, is it really – investing that into the dollars that we're spending to the third parties to manage the Medicaid? Well, I don't think there are many Medicaid home health services even available that are paid by Medicaid today. Right. So they're going to expand that, hopefully keeping these people out of the ER and the hospital right. by providing that care in the home. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Does that make sense? It does. Yeah. It does. But I think, you know, if I'm sitting down there and I'm arguing a budget, I would almost feel like you just do that and you're going to anticipate a certain amount of savings, right. and which should come off the other end. Yeah. And that'll, it'll, you know, the program should easily pay for itself. Yeah, but you know, and in, in and I'm not going to say the Democratic agenda, but the Washington but agenda did. is, I, but I did. <laughs> and the Washington agenda is, well, if you don't have it, just print it. Yeah, exactly. No doubt. <laughs> the money. All right. We're going to wrap things up in the next segment, and we will be back after these messages. You're listening to Healthcare Now, the truth about U.S. healthcare. We're going to a break, and when we come back, we'll continue our discussion on all things healthcare with Dr. Mark and Larry. Take The Answer with you wherever you go. TheAnswerOrlando.com. Tune in. iHeart and Odyssey.com. News, opinion, passion. On the go. AM 950, FM 94.9. The Answer. Navigate the healthcare process like never before. It's Healthcare Now with Dr. Mark and Larry Jones. Join us at 7 o'clock Thursday evenings for a great discussion on all things healthcare. Healthcare Now, Thursday nights at 7, and now Healthcare Now Extra, Saturdays at 11 a.m., only here on The Answer. Welcome back to Healthcare Now, the truth about U.S. healthcare. And now let's head back into the Healthcare Now studios with Dr. Mark and Larry. 
You are back at the Healthcare Now studios with Dr. Mark and Larry, and we're on uh, segment four here. I'm so, already tired, uh, Dr. You know, Mark. I got to tell you, I got to tell you, I, I don't know, this uh, This was more, it's probably what time I went to sleep last night, but it seemed more draining than some. And it's not like, we're not we're not bringing out a whole bunch of bad news. These no. are just facts and budgets. And, yes. And I guess anytime you start talking about doing your taxes yep. and making your yep. family budget, yep. these are, uh, it, it just brings yep. it right there to the center of the conversation. Well, well, you know, it's interesting. It shows a trend of where our government is going in the way of socialized medicine, Dr. Mark. It does. Because you know where I'm putting more and more yeah. money into those those government policies. Yeah. But I've I've always argued that that we can you can have your cake and eat it too here. Um and and one of those ways that's being done is in as much as these are government dollars going into healthcare, yep. they're doing it through an intermediary, a bunch of intermediaries yep. that are actually capitalistic. Right? Without a doubt. And yep. and I'll tell you that you know, we talk about different people over history. Well, they're private companies, they're, just they're, like you said. They're private yeah, companies. That's right. And and they're one of our target areas where we feel like the profits are a little robust right. and need to need to put some more back into yep. the system. Right. Because at the end of the day, we the the taxing, if you will, is on the through the taxes. That's right. And so if we're going to bring that back around, we talk about these groups that are making huge bank in our capitalistic society. And we get, we can applaud them, but when it comes to healthcare, if we're going to go and admit that healthcare isn't just like every other business, yep. you know, and 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 it's really a compromise because they're you know, maybe oh healthcare is a right. Well, you know, yep. we don't need to even get into that That's that, right. that discussion, we're right? Not get into but that. Yeah. at the same time, there is a middle ground, and that middle ground is saying yes, yes, you can go into a healthcare business and you sure. can make money, yes, but. It doesn't have to be obscene. That's right. And and we have absolutely entered the obscene level. Oh. And when we talk about insurance $5 billion companies. dollars a month in uh, profits? Absolutely. So, so <laughs> That's I mean, obscene. Right. So I think yeah. that there's a, there's, a, there's a huge distance between where we are and where we where could we be that would yeah. keep us a long way from socialized medicine because we don't. Nobody, I like that, Dr. I don't Mark, even understand. Yeah. Even the people who really argue it either don't understand it. Or they just like to hear their own voice because there's no way that they don't it's know the facts. It's not going yeah. to accomplish everything that you think it yeah. will. And and again, it's back to the fact that the United States isn't like New England, uh, you know, the the uh, Canada English colonies or, or, or Canada or Europe. Yeah, because, or any of those I mean, we've got what is it, 35 million people in Canada? I think so. And yeah. we got we got 10 percent of the United yeah, States. And yeah. so so and so Florida's got 27 million now or 22 million. 22 million. Mm-hmm. And yeah, my numbers were off. See, I told yep. you I was tired. So twenty two million. So just pick one of our states and bigger than Canada. Bigger than Canada. Yeah. So yeah. we can't manage it that way. That's right. And then same thing, the you know, Great Britain's about I think ninety million. Ninety million. So still yep. still mm-hmm. not the kinds of numbers that mm-hmm. we're talking about in the United States. So we we are a long way from that. I think you get it's about votes. I mean, you, you get certain yeah. candidates that get up there, and if they go, yeah, you know, I think socialized medicine, they're they're automatically going to draw votes to people yeah. that really don't know what the heck they're talking about. Right. But but they can vote. Well, you, you know, know, they talk about socialized medicine, and then they use the term single payer system. Different in healthcare. In reality, with three hundred thirty million Americans, six hundred sixty five million of them already own a, a single, single payer, payer system. Yeah, they single payer, but but even there, we mixed yeah. it up by having these third parties that manage private it, right? insurance companies that right. manage it. So right. so it's and it's, they're capped at a cost. Right, 
Right. So there's definitely two ends of this this argument for sure. But but you're right. I mean, we yeah. are. And then well, you look at the VA system. You know, I know that whole, you included that in your number. I did. I did. And, yeah. But I mean, that's that's another another yep. big push. Yeah. And you know, when you when you think of Medicare, Medicaid, chip, and the VA system, yep. that's about 165 of the 330 million people in America, and those are all taxpayers funded. Right. And now, there are some pay-in as well on that, yep. but, w- but when you look at the other 165 million people that Part are of those considered are commercial, are uninsured, yep. but also now that these subsidies with the ACA, now the taxpayers are even funding some of the commercial right. some insurance. of the commercial stuff. Right, that's right. right. So absolutely, and that's, that is not missed. No. When you look at this budget, I mean that yep. that is absolutely there, yep. and and that's what's going to be going away, and it's going to be a huge flipping shock to yep. the to, to the whole yep. system. So, so I mean, when we jump away from that discussion and we go more to discussions about some of the big companies that yep. are are getting involved, I mean, when you have successful companies and they get involved in something like healthcare, mm-hmm. which you could argue has historically not been the best way to run business, right. right? You'd think, well, maybe they can help, but but our discussions have sort of led us to believe that these big companies jump in there yep. and they're not just using their strong suit, which which makes them a great company yep. like Amazon and logistics. Yep. They're just saying, I want in. And that's, and that's they're, concerning. They're considered disruptors. Right, right. Of the healthcare system. But you know I mean think about it. Amazon, CVS Health, Optum, Walgreens, right. Walmart Village MD, which is Walgreens. Yep. All these people are disruptors of healthcare, and I think that's where the concern comes into play. Well, I want I want to point yeah. out so disruption in business and in in many many yep. fields is a good thing. That's right. Right. That's right. And, and the question becomes: Are they reckless disruption, or is it disruption for a purpose? Yep. And an outsider could come and look and say, "Well, you know, Jesus, the healthcare system is just broken, man. We got we got to do that's something, right? Yeah. Right? And mm-hmm. we're going dis- to disrupt it. But you got to do it the right way. And in many regards, they're right. Well, Obamacare was disrupted. Yeah, very and, much. So. And I mean, and I think the statement was, you know, a a a a entity this big and this powerful, meaning healthcare. Mm-hmm. The only way to change it <clears throat> is to break it down and start over. And right. we definitely did not do that. Yeah. We just put new band-aids. Well, these particular you know, companies that we've just outlined, their aim is to shift primary care in America. Yes. And that is a concern when you manage and look out for independent primary care physicians in America. Well, you know, that's a concern as a medical school dean when, when yeah. how how do I, you know, how do I tell my students they're going to they're going to spend all this time and then go to work for, you know, CVS. Yep. You know, nothing yep. personally against a company, but a yep. lot of folks, in, in, in addition yep. to wanting to be in a capitalistic yep. society, want to be able to choose where they work, yep. you know, whether they have, have yep. a business of their own, you know, whether they join a family business or a group, or are, do they want to be yep. employees? Well, you know, we're talking about Amazon, CVS, Optum, Walgreens, and Walmart. Mm-hmm. And the American Hospital Association just last month deemed that these five companies are the biggest ones transforming primary care in America. No question. No question. And and the, the question that I have is, I mean, we've talked about what, the why, That's right? right. That's so right. the why is if you're going to take the, the primary care physician, they've always been called the gatekeeper. That's right. Um, the hospitals realized, and they kind of cycle through this, that, that, well, if they own the gatekeeper, they'll That's get right. the market share, right? And that was a huge uh, play by the Large health systems yep. ten years, yep. ten fifteen years ago. Yeah, well, it would it would come and go because then they would look yep. at it, and the healthcare systems 
who, who yeah. you know, arguably know yeah. a little bit about healthcare. Well, I mean, look at it know. here in Orlando. Orlando yep. Health sure. bought physician associates, yep. 95 primary care physicians yes. in one fell swoop. Right. And But if you go backwards a number of years, you know, Advent Health was in that market and yep. out of that market yep. and in that market yep. and out of that market. They still because own some primary still care, own, but nothing like they did. Exactly. Right. So, right. so when you look at that, when you look at the, the, the folks that most directly would respond to that gatekeeper policy would be the hospitals because yep. that's where they're getting their market yep. share, right? So yep. now you're looking at a CVS that's looking at market share and their competitors, you know, like like Walgreens and like Amazon right. to a, you know with their products right and, right and when you look at that they're they're betting on the same model that we already know doesn't work that's right. right and my concern is that the level of reimbursement that goes towards these primary care physicians that are working for these companies yep. Yep. is really inconsequential well, in their budget salaried at that point oh they're time. they're totally yeah, salaried that's right, that's and right. and then it's just going to be I, I i suppose if if they wanted to share in the wealth then maybe they become really well paid but yeah. i don't think yeah. that's the way that's going to go that's not the because way historically going. you know since physicians still cannot unionize yeah they can't discuss right. what their fees are with yeah. each other so it's not like they can get together yeah. and say you need yeah. to pay us more or we're walking yeah. out and venture capital firms get into something for one reason Yes, yes. Money. Yes, absolutely. Now, let's talk about these five guys, Amazon, CVS, Optum, Walgreens, and Walmart. Collectively, Dr. Mark, they own almost 5,000 primary care and specialty clinics across America. Wow. Already. I Already. mean, and, and we're talking growing yeah. by the, by yeah. the day, Optum, literally. 2,200 in 16 states. CVS, 1,100-minute clinics in 36 states. Walgreens, Village MD is up to 680 clinics. Yep. Across the country, wow. in twenty six markets. Amazon, yep. two hundred and twenty one. You know they just bought one medical right. primary care, two hundred and twenty one clinics in twenty markets. And Walmart, they have opened up thirty two Walmart health clinics within their own Walmart facilities. And that's just been in the last few months. I mean, they, in the last they, three yeah, years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean that they got to that number. Yeah. I mean because yeah. they they've been talking about it for a while. Yeah. But. But you can you can see how quickly they could move. It's crazy. And I think the only thing that the only reason this isn't double that number mm-hmm. is they're still they're still yep. trying to see how this yep. is going to go. Yep. Now the the next question becomes is are we talking about primary care physicians or are we talking about PAs and ARNPs? Because that was been a long time argument yep. that, that we're going to see the primary care physicians going down in number and the extenders yep. acting as those as those gatekeepers yep. with you know with some type yep. of purview over and isn't that, or that not. the only way that a primary care physician can keep up with this panel today well it has to because yeah. you know you get paid so little per physician but to be fair i mean when you're paying another salary and the the salary of a primary care physician a family practice physician mm-hmm. and that of a pa that's say five years out mm-hmm. is pretty darn close yep now yep. it gets a little bit skewed because if the PAs go into specialty training and do like if they work with the surgeons and whatnot, right, they're right. they are bringing in more money to the practice and sharing in that yep. as well. So that bumps it up. So if you just looked at extenders that did primary care, yep. you're still going to see there, there's there's a number of thousand dollars in income difference, right? Yep. But well, you know, we fight constantly when. Primary care physicians have attributed lives so that they can participate in value-based care. Yes. Because they're not going to make it on the FIFA service. They're going to make it on the the other end on uh, patient outcomes. Right. And, you know, just so you know, Dr. Mark, beginning tomorrow, the IPA Association of America, TIPA, 
national conferences here in Orlando. Oh, is it? Back back here this year, yeah. And it's Wednesday, Thursday, Friday at the Orlando Grand, uh, Hyatt Grand Cypress. Gotcha. And I'm speaking tomorrow good, at good. that conference. All right. We could just play yeah. a few of our yeah. uh, episodes. You could just go sit yeah. back down and, and, and hit play. And what's interesting, one of the panels that I'm moderating, I'm bringing in Blue Cross, Cigna, Humana, and Aetna's key C-suite people right. to have a conversation about value-based care. All right. And now, are they going to be mostly looking at that ACO side? Or, yes. Yeah. Okay. All right. Gotcha. The okay. ACO side. Yeah. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Well, that you know, the conversations, I mean, it's good. We, we keep connected. I think, you know, we talk about this all the time that – that we have uh, the opportunity to have sponsors, and and yep. we're gonna we're gonna grow that, but they we're are. not gonna change how we speak because no. No. we're not after anybody. We just want to see that the, that the consumer right. knows where these dollars are going. Absolutely, and it's really just about sharing the news, and and you know we give our opinions as as we see fit, but. But, uh, but we'll have a great, great conference, yep. and I'm sure we'll have a lot to talk about when you get back. We will. Great show. I enjoyed it. We'll see you next week. Okay. Thank you for joining us today on Healthcare Now. To find the answers you are looking for or have a question, you can reach Larry and Dr. Mark by emailing your questions and comments to follow us at healthcarenow.us. And we'll continue our discussion same time next week on navigating our complex healthcare system on Healthcare Now. On Healthcare Now. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for donald trump to hire i find out the worst enemy that i'm going to face in my life is right here in america they took my assessment and they wanted me to change it i was like i'm not changing it they had to get rid of flynn with in-depth interviews archival footage and never before seen personal record to the man behind the headlines i just felt like i was drowning flynn deliver the truth whatever the cost available now watch it today go to salemnow.com salemnow.com